0: Related to Ron Hextall's salary cap, that anyone can't mythically solve by eliminating Jason Zucker's contract. Unfortunately for Hextall, that really can't be done. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kavatchvich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and/or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Zucker's not the only one, of course, but he's just the glaring example. Anytime you see or hear or read anyone breaking down how they would solve all the headaches that Hextall has to deal with this summer, it generally begins with trade Zucker. Well, like most proposed trades in public, you know, the ones in which everyone will conveniently pile up all the things that they don't want for the one thing that they do want from another party, Zucker gets thrown out there as if someone is going to pick up a $5.5 million salary for a player who generally hasn't been anywhere near as productive as had been hoped when he was acquired. And oh, by the way, gets hurt only all the time. I don't say that in a mean way. It's, Rare that I am impressed with someone's valor the way I was with Zuckers in the first round series against the Rangers. I can't imagine all the different things he was dealing with to be sitting on a cushion or a stool or whatever that was during games. I'd have to presume that had something to do with his back, although he respectfully declined to acknowledge what was wrong with him in his end of season session. But for him to be out there just throwing himself all over the rink the way he did. Look, there's not a critical word to be had here about Zucker. There's a part of me that believes that had he been able to stay healthy in his Pittsburgh tenure, he would have been. A borderline perfect Mike Sullivan player. Do you happen to remember his first few games? Meaning right after the trade with Minnesota. He was not only scoring and had everyone sky high about him, but he also was doing everything the Sullivan way as if he'd been here for years. It's something he and I talked about quite a bit at the time. He didn't even really understand it, like how it was happening. But it was. Still. Then he got hurt. Then he got hurt again. Then he got hurt. Ah, you know, the whole story. And here we are now with one more year left in his contract at $5.5 billion, And there is no one who would take him off your hands. And even if they would, he's got a 10-team no-movement clause, meaning he can pick 10 teams that he can decline a trade. so the whole thing just becomes just forget it you just put him over into this pile he's on your team and that's how it is and that's one reason why i keep emphasizing that if you're going to make moves to create cap space it has to happen on the blue line this portion of daily shot of penguins is brought to you by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank Where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit PittsburghFoodBank.org. These tend not to be convenient, easy to swallow moves. When you are moving a player for the primary purpose, of opening up cap space, it tends not to go well. It doesn't have to go as badly as exposing both Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev before the Seattle expansion draft, but it does tend to go badly because you're just giving up a player, for the most part, into thin air. Unless you're not. And this is where I come back to the Defense Corps. Make a move that you might not feel all that good about making, but make it there. Why? Because there's going to be a team somewhere that'll value a John Marino or a Marcus Patterson or a Brian Dumoulin. All to varying degrees and all for different reasons. But all three of those guys are right in the range between 3 and $4 million per year each and this team can't afford, in the literal sense, to be carrying the most expensive defense corps in the league. If they were the best defense corps in the league, you could at least have that discussion. But the fact of the matter is, if they were the best defense corps in the league, the Penguins wouldn't have blown a two-nothing lead in Game 5, a 2-0 lead in Game 6, and a third-period lead in Game 7, and they'd still be participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ideally, this is just if you ask me, Dumoulin is the guy that you move. He has slowed down considerably, it looks like at times. He's been mistake-prone. He doesn't contribute much at all to your offense, but then he never really did. And he's a half decade older than either Marino or Pedersen. But for that very reason, he's probably not all that different than Zucker in terms of whether or not he can be traded. Maybe there's a team somewhere that's in contention uh, that thinks, all right, well, they said a lot of the same stuff about Ryan McDonough. And then he went down to Tampa and, you know, really showed well for the Bolts as part of their championship teams. We can do the same thing with this guy, since he's won a couple of cups himself. Maybe, maybe, he's certainly got a better chance of being trade bull than Zucker. But you won't get anything back. You'll just get the cap space. And that brings me back, again, to Marino and or Pedersen. If you move either of these guys, you've got an able replacement in P.O. Joseph or if we're talking about the right side, a more prominent role for Mark Friedman. But also, because of these players' youth, you have a chance to make a real-life hockey trade within whatever exchange you happen to execute. Even if that's just a draft pick, a significant draft pick, here or there, you'll take it. We're not in 2018 or 2019 anymore. The drafts need to start actually occurring with the Penguins' participation throughout, okay? And that does mean not just holding on to your picks, but adding to your picks. So if you can move one or both of those guys, and I don't say this with any malice whatsoever. Trades are not punitive. Trades are made because they need to be made. If you can move one or both of those guys and bring back real assets and real cap space. You can do things. You can do things now and into the future. When we come back, there's more questions. from josh who asks in an apparently indignant tone dk ricard raquel isn't a must keep if you don't resign him you literally have to go out and sign the same type of winger a young winger with speed upside a scoring touch everything the penguins have been looking for penguins have spent a second round picked to get him for one game in the playoffs i would argue he's just as important as signing if Evgeny Malkin, if you can get Raquel at $4 million for three-plus years, make this deal yesterday. Okay, Josh, deep breaths, my man. Deep breaths here. First off, I never came close to saying that Raquel isn't someone that I'd want to keep. The difference between Raquel and the two players that I compared him with, Malkin and Chris Letang, aren't the legacies, aren't their histories, aren't, uh, you know, the the sappy things that we attach to them. It's that there is no second line center without Gino. And there isn't one from the outside either, because you'd have to pay even more. There isn't a number one defenseman without Letang. And you can't get one from the outside because you'd have to pay even more. Whereas with Raquel... You at least have players, you at least have guys that you can cast into possible top six roles, even if they aren't necessarily uh, as productive, as prolific, as dynamic as Raquel is. But your characterization of my stance flies in the face of what I actually said about him, including at the very outset of this process, that I'd rather keep him than Brian Rust. You left that part out. I also said that Raquel is something that the Penguins don't have enough of, meaning a winger who creates, not just shoots, but also creates, including his playmaking, while also having just a natural Disposition toward going to the net. I know he's not, you know, Tim Kerr or John LeClair or something, but he goes there and he goes there willingly, not because someone shows him a map. This is a good, good hockey player. I don't know that I'd go for your characterization of his being young. I mean, he's going to be 30, but that's young enough that I'd look at the type of contract that you described myself. My actual stance on this from the beginning and it is unchanged is that the penguins should prioritize signing all four of these players and that the way that they should do that is by doing exactly what i just described yet again in the opening segment just now if there isn't cap space to keep all of these players, then create the cap space by moving one or more of those defensemen. Yes, I would like to keep Raquel. Of course I would like to keep Raquel. I also would like to see, and this is another repeat from the opening segment, in a way, the team not waste its assets. And by that I'm referring, as you are, to the second-round pick that was sent to Anaheim, but also Kali Klang, the goaltending prospect that was sent to Anaheim. You can't just have young players or assets that produce young players go out the window with nothing coming back on a regular basis and expect to, you know, not have some major fall-off-a-cliff before long. I appreciate the question, Josh. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Today, all week long, all year long, we'll be back with another one Monday.